1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, Friday. Make sure to check out the show on Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Check us out also on Spotify. Click that follow button and check us out also on Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to the show, continue to do that. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Sunday throughout the season, I'll be giving you my Carolina Panther thoughts in the middle of the game and also throughout the week, my musings of whatever I feel like talking about, whether it's Charlotte whether it's Panthers and whether it's just, you know, whatever pops in my head. So go ahead and do that. And you also want to do that because every single Friday, like today, we have our weekly Friday mailbag where I answer your questions about the Carolina Panthers, your Carolina Panthers. So make sure to go ahead and send me your questions for next week. If you did not get them in for this week, Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. at Bank of America Stadium, 800 South Mint Street, Uptown Charlotte, Carolina Panthers week two. Against the New Orleans Saints, who blew out the Packers last week. Big time matchup for the Panthers. We've talked about it all week. Go back, check out the archives. Some of the shows from earlier this week. Spoke to Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints yesterday in our crossover episode. Happens every Thursday where we crossover with that week's opponent. So make sure to go check out those previous episodes. But on today's show, of course, it's our weekly Friday mailbag. So let's go ahead and get into it right now here on locked on Panthers starting out with Tanner who has a very simple question. What do you think the over under is on how many kickers the Panthers will use this season? If you want to go ahead and count Joey Sly as a kicker on the team this season since he was here for the preseason, that's 1. Ryan Santoso was a kicker for week 1 and has already been let go. The Carolina Panthers Later or earlier this week decided that they were going to sign Zane Gonzalez, a veteran off of the Detroit Lions practice squad. Someone who was up here earlier in OTAs, but apparently wasn't good enough to get an invite to go to training camp. Despite what Zane Gonzalez said, he was nearly flawless. In his tryout with the Carolina Panthers, but for whatever reason, the Panthers decided that they were going to stick with Joey Sly. And that kind of reminds you of when Dominic Eberly, who's currently the practice squad kicker for the Carolina Panthers, who's been protected for another week to not be signed away to another team's active roster, when Eberly was competing against Joey Sly before they traded for Ryan Santoso, he was better than Joey Sly in practice. But yet, the Carolina Panthers decided that they want to stick with Joey Sly. And then later on, they went with Brian Santoso, who beat out Joey Sly, but apparently did not show enough after missing an extra point in week one matchup. And I guess probably in practice that he was the answer here in Carolina. Instead, it's now Zane Gonzalez. So, so far, three kickers. I would say the over-under has to be set at five. We have three so far. Zane Gonzalez, based off of NFL rules, will be on the roster, the active roster for at least the next three weeks. Just because if you sign someone off your practice squad and you sign up to your active roster, they don't want it to be where you're signing guys off for competitive advantages and you're doing all that kind of stuff. So they have to be on the active roster for three weeks. And because he's a kicker and the Panthers don't have much better options out there, he will be on for at least three weeks. But will he be the long-term answer here in Carolina? I highly doubt that. So I'm going to set the over under on five kickers this season. Tanner, thanks for the question. Kurt, who often... Ask mailbag questions. He says, I know our kicking game is a joke being on number three already that it is Kurt. You can only laugh at this point in time. However, he says, I still feel it's addition by subtraction with not having Sly anymore. I think rule coach is different. Not having Sly to trot out there for ridiculous field goals. I like to punt in the first quarter instead of 52 yard field goal. Charlton just has to do a way better pinning them back. Do you agree with this or just think the whole thing is a mess? Um, I think the whole thing is a mess, Kurt. <laughs> if you've listened to the show, which I know you do, man, like it's a complete mess that the Carolina Panthers have bungled this kicking, kicking situation to the point where Harrison Butker is awesome winning Super Bowls at the Kansas City Chiefs and he's Reliable for them, even though he missed a lot of 50 yarders last year and kind of missed a lot of extra points, but he's been a really good kicker for the Chiefs throughout his career there in Kansas City and he's going to be a very good kicker for them for a long time they don't have to worry about that position group with Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the National Football League and that explosive offense so kudos to Kansas City and it's not just Butker the guy that they kept instead of Butker and we're not going to rehash whether that was a right or wrong decision but Graham Gano is now in New York where he missed one field goal last year the Panthers chose Joey Sly instead and he's a man who was actually made a 60-yard field goal in a game where Matt Rule was trotting Joey Sly out there for 60-yard field goals and he was never coming close outside of that one game last year in a Super Bowl Super Dome rather in New Orleans the fact that they have two kickers that are good kickers that are at other teams having success and in Joey Sly who was isn't good here Goes and makes all seven of his field goals in week one against Houston Texans. It's just, it's comical at this point in time. As I've said multiple times so far this week, the Carolina Panthers are on a merry-go-round of awful kickers. Zane Gonzalez, welcome to town. I hope you're better. But as I mentioned to you, Bo Brack, one of our hosts of Locked On Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals daily podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, let me know via Twitter that, yeah, he missed a lot of important kicks last year. So good luck with that. It's uh, It's funny, and no, I do not agree with pinning the Jets back in the first quarter of a week one game. I understand where he's coming from, that Zach Wilson, first start, let's put him back there. We know he can get after the passer. or potentially get a safety. Okay, yada, yada, yada. Dude, if you're at your own 33 or the opponent's 33, you need to be kicking a field goal. If you don't have a kicker who's good enough to do that, then you need to go find a new one, which they went out there and did. I think that maybe spoke more to Rule's lack of confidence in Santoso more than a strategy of trying to pin Zach Wilson into Jets' offense deep in the end zone. And you're you're right. Or at least in the red zone. And you're right. Yes. Charlton needs to execute better. But that was stupid on Rule's part, in my opinion. Speaking of red zone... Plenty of questions on the red zone with the Carolina Panthers. I'll answer all of those here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers here on our weekly Friday Mailbag edition. Bilt Bar. Oh, my goodness. I continue to tell you guys how much I love Bilt Bar. I love that Bilt Bar allows you the freedom of choice. That's what we are here in America. We are free. And did you know? The Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. Yes, even you listening to the show right now who might think that there's not something there for me with Bilt Bar. Yes, there is, man. You can get coconut, you can get cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and even German chocolate-flavored Bilt Bars. They're soft, they're easy to choose, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get each of the nine flavors, two of them. So two of each of the nine flavors, you can get that with a mixed box at Built Bar. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, but they're also healthy too, y'all. 17 to 18 grams of protein in most flavors. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only four grams of sugar and only four grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I had mentioned it before throughout the week leading up to this that there was plenty of people asking me questions about the Carolina Panthers red zone struggles. And they once again continued on Sunday as the Panthers were one for four in the red zone coming away with one touchdown, two field goals. And at one point zero points as Sam Darnold missed Ian Thomas on a seam route. And then Sam Darnold fumbled the football where Matt rule said, had that been handed off to McCaffrey, they would have walked into the end zone. So one for four so far, 25% to start the season after being 28th, out of 32 teams in the National Football League in 2020, is it the quarterback's fault? Is it the personnel outside of the quarterback? Or is it the OC, Joe Brady? There's plenty of questions about the red zone. And Caleb has a question about the red zone saying, red zone struggles once again for the Panthers. Was hoping the season was going to be better in the red zone. I don't understand. I mean, yes, hope. Hope that, Caleb. He said, why do you think they struggle so bad inside the 20? Also, how can they fix the issues? Thanks Julian, came up the good work. Corinne also asked me about the red zone. Saying, so happy about the win, but the red zone was such a mess. <laughs> Why is this such a mental block for this team? What do you think they need to do to make it happen in the red zone? What they need to do to make it happen in the red zone, Corinne, is score. Now, that's obviously uh, a very simple solution to this whole thing, but it's not that simple. Matt Rule has said throughout the week that he believes it's that the schemes, that what Joe Brady is drawing up, has been good at least on Sunday it was. I don't know what he thinks about last year when Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback and much of the same personnel on offense was here, but he believes that the schemes that Joe Brady has drawn up in the play calls are effective. And I can agree with him in terms of if Sam Darnold hits Ian Thomas, they're two for four in the red zone. Uh, 50% you're not happy about that necessarily. You want to score a touchdown every time you're down there, but you can't score a touchdown every time you're down there. Um, But that's also where you were last season, 50%. That's not good enough. As we saw last year when they were finished five and 11. And when you play new Orleans on Sunday, it ain't going to be good enough then either. So I understand where he comes from there. The personnel, a lot of it is much of the same. Now the one major difference here this season is that Sam Darnold is the quarterback. And then Teddy Bridgewater is not the quarterback anymore. Teddy and Broncos were really good on Sunday in New York against the Giants, but that's not really a conversation we need to have. Darnold is, was pointed out to be one of the red zone failures on Sunday's game, but they have to be better overall. I, I honestly, I don't know how they can fix the red zone issues. McCaffrey being back should help. Him only playing 13 of 16 games last season, I think probably played a large factor in the red zone not working out. Joe Brady did mention that bringing guys in like Dan Arnold, was supposed to help with the red zone issues. And I don't believe Dan Arnold was targeted at all in the red zone. He also mentioned Terrace Marshall, who Sam Darnold missed on a throw in the red zone on Sunday afternoon against the New York Jets. I don't think it's just one individual singular problem. If anything, I'm probably looking at the coordinator based off of the fact that it's a lot of the same guys from last year who are out there. You have a different quarterback, but you have a new and you have the same coordinator. I'm like, I don't know if it's not 100% on Sam Darnold. Yeah, he missed a couple throws there, and he fumbled. But Brady, he's the guy's calling the plays. The rule says it. He's got it figured out. I don't know. I honestly do not know what the issue is, other than the fact that the Carolina Panthers, they get down there and they completely forget how to do the whole football thing, which is probably the worst part of the field to forget how to play football and be able to score. So they got to do better moving forward in the red zone. The offensive line too. If you go back to even the preseason games against the Ravens and the Steelers, I mean, they're the interior. They're getting whipped. So the O line has to get a better push in order to get McCaffrey into the end zone. Like it shouldn't be all on Christian trying to break a, cap, a tackle or two and make a move to be able to score. So the O line needs to do better. McCaffrey, I'm nothing on him at all. Uh, Darnold. Needs to complete the passes and be accurate, not fumble the football. Um, Ian Thomas tough there, but like you know, receivers when given the opportunity may need to catch the ball. And maybe Joe Brady needs to figure out other things that are going to make it easier for his team to be more successful in the red zone. Because so far throughout his tenure as the OC in Carolina, whether it's been Bridgewater at quarterback or Darnold, things have not worked. So, I, guys, I I don't know what you can do to fix the issues. The coaching staff needs to figure that out. I can only look here and see that. Whatever they're doing, it ain't working right now. Jake says, question for the show. Okay, Jake. Does Joe Brady know what a quarterback sneak
1: is?
0: (laughs) Oh, there's more to it. Uh, Seems like every fourth and short is a fullback dive or running CMC up the gut. Always low percentage. We go back to his very first game as the Carolina Panthers O.C., and it was fullback dive, Alex Arma, game on the line, late in the fourth quarter against the Las Vegas Raiders, unsuccessful. And I, I mean, I guess Teddy did Teddy had the quarterback sneak that he fumbled against the Packers and he put the ball over the goal line that got knocked out and that whole issue. And that led to a lot of uh, you know, mm, angst about the position. As if it wasn't already existent by the time that Saturday evening in Green Bay had arrived. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure he's aware of it, Jake. What the quarterback sneak is? I'm sure Darnold is probably good enough to be able to run it. He is what six three, so he's tall enough to be able to to do it and kind of put his put the ball over and score. It's just something that hasn't really been called. And let's also remember that no longer do you have the six six behemoth of Cam Newton. The best red zone threat. And that might honestly be the issue. And it's not even I don't know if it's the coach or the personnel, but you go back over the past couple years, and Brady wasn't here, and a lot of the guys are on the roster now offensively, they weren't here back when Cam was still the quarterback and whatnot. Not whatnot, but when he was still the quarterback, Cam Newton was the best red zone threat in the NFL, where he could obviously do it with his arms, do it with his legs, and in those short-yarded situations. Like, who's keeping that man out of the end zone? Not very many people. So not having Cam Newton, I think, actually, is one of the things that's prevented the Panthers from having a ton of success in the red zone over the last 17 games that they've played in this Matt Rule era. I know Joe Brady knows what the quarterback sneak is. I Again, Matt Rule says that the uh, the schemes, the concepts in the red zone are, you know, they're good just to... Uh, execution has not been there so he's uh throwing his team under the bus opposed to his coach all right moving on brody hey julian hey brody can we give a shout out to cam irving for that block allowing sam darnold to run it in for that touchdown Uh, on by the way we talk about red zone what fantastic play call there by joe brady to spread everybody wide empty backfield sam darnold going there with the draw i think if you do watch a lot of football that i'm kind of surprised the jets didn't see that coming just considering that like And oftentimes, in that situation, if you're going to spread it out five wide and have an empty set, that the quarterback is, I mean, 50% of the time, this is going to be a draw play, if not more, in that they were not prepared for that. But that brings up what Brody pointed out. Cam Irving getting that block to free up Sam Darnold. Yeah, Irving, I thought, played a really good game on Sunday. Um, Ham and Moten played well. The rest of the offensive line left a lot to be desired. Curious to see how things factor in on Sunday with John Miller off of the COVID list and whether he starts again at right guard. Pat Elfline, who's also had some injury issues. Will that allow Dennis Daly to move over left guard? I know a lot of y'all will be very happy to see that. Or Brady Christensen get the opportunity there on the left side at guard. Matt Paradis. who buddy. Um, yeah, issues there. But um, yeah, shout out to Cam Irving for playing a good game on Sunday and impressing us. So far, all right. Another quick pause here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. Another weekly Friday mailbag on the show. We'll get to more of your questions here in just a moment. We're back and we're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Plenty of games to bet on, especially on Saturday. It's going to be a whiteout up in Penn State, Happy Valley. Auburn's going up there. Go ahead and bet on that game. You also have Alabama heading to the Swamp to face against off against the Florida Gators, Anthony Richardson. Number 15, Brent Tebow's old number, that guy, the quarterback for the Florida Gators, very impressive through the first couple weeks. Got to check that game out. And, of course, plenty of the NFL slate betting on the Panthers and the Saints game. Last time I checked, it was, what, three and a half points. The Saints were favored. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag it continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget... To use promo code NFL100 from football basketball boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online your online sportsbook experts promo code locked on All right, back to your questions as we're about to wrap up the show. I missed this one last week. Jimmy sent this to me on Friday, had already recorded the show. He said, hey, Julian, enjoying the preseason podcast. Thanks, I'm glad you enjoyed those, Jimmy. Let's keep pounding and keep up the enthusiasm. Yes, and let's keep pounding. I, the Panthers, come on, just bring back the whole deal, the keep pounding thing so I don't have to see people complaining. That's like one of the only things that – panther fans can really cling to in terms of like our history and heritage of the organization there's also there's other things you can be proud of but that especially like it's literally like on the uniform just do that don't be ridiculous the kind of team response is weird to me i don't really think it's that big of a deal that they didn't play it because i think organically the fans could do it but i do understand why a lot of people are upset and really appreciate how the team responded to that so i think we'll be back on sunday which that's what they said either way PR nightmare. Why do they sign up to do that? Like, it's like they intentionally are trying to tick people off at times. By the way, Jimmy said, writing on Friday before the game. So that was last Friday. You are expecting that rule's third year next season will be the big winning season, hopefully the beginning of our return to prominence. If you aren't a believer in Darnold and writing this, I don't know how he performs week one. What do you foresee as scenarios at QB1 that will get us to that third year rule winning season? Perhaps no quarterback required. Here's my thing, too. Like, having this conversation about the quarterback situation in Carolina, Like, I thought Sam played really well on Sunday. Yeah, he missed some throws, but, like, every quarterback misses throws. And in the red zone, like, especially in the fumble, like, you don't want to see that happen. But I thought Sam, particularly in the first half, was exactly who you would hope he would be. He didn't turn the football over at all. Now, moving forward the next 16 games of the season, we'll see how he does. I'm not sitting here waiting to crush Darnold or praise Darnold and, like, anoint him as either the starter or just a bum. Like, I'm going to give him time to prove one way or the other like let's get to like week 10 before we start making any grand statements but for me though when the conversation was surrounding whether like to bring back Bridgewater or draft the quarterback and all that kind of stuff my whole thought process the whole time was just build the overall roster build the roster to a point where you're not ultra reliant on who the quarterback is I look at the team the Panthers are playing on Sunday the New Orleans Saints the last two seasons without Drew Brees they were eight and one with Bridgewater, who a lot of you guys think is a bum, and with Taysom Hill, who is a bum when it comes to being a starting quarterback. They were eight and one. You know why? Because their overall roster was talented. If you have a talented roster, the quarterback is just another piece. Yes, you want to have a Mahomes, you want to have a Russell Wilson, you want to have those kind of guys that can elevate the roster. Like, look. LA, they got to the point where they looked at Jared Goff and they were like, hey, Goff, he ain't it. He he went to a Super Bowl with him. They went to the divisional round last year with him at quarterback. And they said, get out of here. Let's get Matthew Stafford. And on Sunday night, they looked awesome. The Rams already had a good roster and they decided let's upgrade a quarterback now. I never felt like that had to be the priority. The priority should have been just building the overall roster, not necessarily who the quarterback is. So whether it's Darnold or not, I think this team's gonna be a playoff team because I have faith in Scott Federer's ability to build this roster and have a faith in the ability of Matt Rowland's coaching staff to develop the guys who are currently on the roster so that in next season, they can get to the point where they're going to be in the playoffs, whether the quarterback is great or he's just another guy in the league. Eventually, they want to find that, I guess, Stafford type, if that works out for LA. But wait and see. I just don't think it had to be a priority going to this season hope it works out with Sam Darnold. If it doesn't, no big deal. I still think this roster will be good enough to get to the playoffs next year and they can figure out the quarterback down the road. Uh, Shallow Waters hit me up on uh, on my DMs on Twitter, at Julian Council, by the way, saying, greetings and salutations. Greetings and salutations to you, sir. I accidentally located the podcast while desperately searching for information on the Panthers training camp. Been a loyal daily listener since. And I'm very confident that the majority of you who listen to this show it is all by accident, and for whatever reason you've gotten hooked by it, I don't I don't know. It, it, I, don't, I don't get it. I see the amount of people that listen, and it's honestly startling that that many of you people actually tune in to listen to what I have to say about this team. But either way, I appreciate you. Uh, to go-on with his question, though. After watching the offense this week, am I the only one that thinks the biggest difference between 14 and 5 was 22? <laughs> is it possible that Joe Brady's offense is actually more Saints-Drew Brees check down rather than LSU Joe Burrow big play and deep shots? A 100%, dude. 100%. Like, okay, I love what the wide receivers Carolina has here. Like, one of them was on that LSU team. And, like, if you just look at the LSU offense, what they have, and we're just, if we just go based off of like actual draft pick, like, so they have the LSU quarterback was the number one overall pick. Um, Teddy and Sam were both first round picks, but they weren't number one overall. And Burroughs looked pretty good so far. Their running back was what, number 32 pick in the draft, Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um, McCaffrey was number eight. So, Edwards Eliot is not better than McCaffrey, but their talent. The wide receiver, their top wide receiver, Jamar Chase, was drafted fifth overall. Top wide receiver here on the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore, was drafted in the 20s. Um, their number two wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, was drafted also in the first round. Robbie Anderson was not a first round pick. And then their other guy, third wide receiver, Terrace Marshall, was drafted in the second round, had a first round grade here in Carolina. Like the LSU offense actually has more talent than. The Carolina Panthers offense when we go quarterback, running back, and skill position, which is wild to think. I think, and then also they had the Joe Moore Award that year for the top offensive line. The offensive line gave Joe Brady some Joe Burrow rather so much time to throw the football that they were allowed. They were able to hit those deep shots. And The only deep shot we saw on Sunday was the one to Robbie Anderson. Like Sam was three of five for 110 yards and a touchdown, throwing a deep ball. But the middle intermediate throws, he was 0 for six. So he's only three of 11 th- from throwing the ball over 10 yards. On Sunday afternoon against the Jets, a secondary that's not very good. And I, I said this the other day after the game, it makes a world of difference when number twenty two is out there. It's almost as if a quarterback is able to play better with McCaffrey. And I felt like with Bridgewater, I he was bad in the second half of the season. I don't know whether it was the knee or just Bridgewater. I am of the belief now, having seen what Teddy Bridgewater's look like in the NFL when he has a lot of talent around him that you can win with him. Can you win as a rule with him? I highly doubt it, which I always felt that eventually the Panthers were going to have to upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. I don't believe Sam Darnold's an upgrade just based on what I've seen from him in one game and throughout his career. And I get the circumstances in New York. That's why I'm skeptical. It's just like, okay, you want to get a better quarterback than Bridgewater? Like, how do you know that's Darnold? That's been my whole thing. And I think Teddy would have looked a hell of a lot better last year if he was able to check it down nine times in a game. To Christian McCaffrey like let's just be honest though man like I have people complaining about all oh, the touches McCaffrey's getting yada 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 it's like how about you tell the quarterback to stop throwing it to him nine times in a game if you look over the years the times McCaffrey has had like 10 plus receptions the Panthers are like one and eight in those games so typically when they're checking it down to him, that means the receivers aren't open downfield and not getting hitting big plays that's actually led to losses. Now, of course, it was a win on Sunday. It was less than 10 receptions too and less than 10 targets as well. Yeah, I think Chris McCaffrey there has really helped Sam Darnold. I want to see what he looks like when I take away McCaffrey. That's what I want to see because that's when I'm going to be like, okay, this guy can really do it or like, oh, I have a lot of questions about whether this guy can actually do it. I want him to be able to do it, of course. So I want to see this team be successful and I'm rooting for him because I feel bad for the situation he was in New York and I'm like, I don't want to ever see a guy go and have the expectations and like it never come to fruition like there's nothing worse than wasted talent whether it's the NFL or or anything so yeah I, I think McCaffrey makes a pretty big freaking difference and let's also recognize that Joe Brady ain't Sean Payton he's a good smart offensive coordinator but man like when he got hired I was just like man it was one year at LSU and you're gonna hand him the reins of an NFL job he's never even called plays I just based off, we talked about some, uh, a a meritocracy. Please, how is that a meritocracy, man? Like, there's a lot of people who have been grinding that have gotten no, no opportunities to be OCs. That dude has one good year as the, as the passing game coordinator, not even the main play caller. I understand LSU went to the dirt after that, but it's not, I mean, it's not like they didn't lose their top running back, their top quarterback, and their top wide receiver, plural, who all went in the first round. Like, oh, maybe that's more of a reason why LSU was bad last year than, than uh, Joe Brady not being there anymore. But we'll see how it's going to work out with them so far this year, which adding uh, the two guys they added, DJ Mangus and Jake Pete, ain't working out that great so far. Um, so maybe it was the player, it's not the coach. Anywho, uh, Jordan has a question. <laughs> Jordan says been listening for a while keep up the great work we have all heard you talk about what the panthers could or should do with the o line but what do you think the circumstances would be for the team to actually make a lasting change looking at you pat offline we're all looking at Pat up there at left guard uh jordan here's the thing i know a lot of people are ticked off about matt rule you know talking about you know, we got, we got to find our best five offensive linemen, but yet not playing the best five offensive linemen, and then him throwing the offensive line under the bus, even though he's the guy who's putting those guys out there who have a proven track record of not being good, um, i.e. Pat Elfline, instead of giving the rookies an opportunity. It will all work itself out in the end. If you take a deep breath, it will all work out. If Elfline continues to go at four pressures a game and stinks, they're going to put Dennis Daly in there, or... They're going to give Brady Christensen an opportunity. Deontay Brown apparently is more of a right guard. If John Miller stinks or gets injured, they'll give him an opportunity to be there at right guard again, especially if Elfline's already been replaced. It's going to have to come down to injuries or poor play, and it's going to be poor play. They're going to at some point realize that, hey, we can't protect Darnold in the interior. We need to figure something else out. And Matt Rule said that they were surprised by how close Brady Christensen is to being ready to go out there and play, he's older, as he mentioned, and he said he was also surprised by like Deontay Brown, and they just don't feel like they're ready. They know more than you and I combined. I get it. My job is to sit here and commentate on the team and talk about them and be analytical about, it. and your job as a fan is also to do the same thing. And you're right to question them because you look at it and you look how those guys perform the preseason. You just look at the guys are performing. Now they can't be much worse, right? You also don't want to ruin a guy's confidence and have them learn bad technique that sticks with them and it's harder to break that habit. Like train them up, get them ready to go at the right point, right time in the year, and we'll see. But that's what I think. It'll be poor performance or injury that it gets, allows them. But I think it'll be, if anything, poor performance that allows Matt Rule to figure out that, hey, I actually need to uh, change these guys out two more questions here Harold I don't think I agree with you saying New Orleans is more proven yeah Harold didn't, I guess didn't like my thoughts on the Saints Panthers game leading up but is fine that's why we do this um where are they better I think we match them at wide receiver at running back hell the quarterback is a push Winston failed a quarterback in his career, just like Sam is a defense. We are young, but just as athletic and fast, they only have an advantage at coach. A win wouldn't surprise me at all. And a win wouldn't surprise me at all. I actually, in the crossover episode with Ross, I reluctantly picked the Panthers. I kind of think the Saints are going to win, but I just looking at circumstances like Carolina's going to win this game. So I'm going to pick them to win, even though I I honestly, my heart of heart thinks New Orleans is going to win this game somehow. Just based off of what they've won eight of the last nine and they've dominated the Panthers of late. And Panthers are still a young team, but God, the injuries... The COVID issue, the displacement from Hurricane Ida. Panthers have got to win this game on Sunday, man. But here's the thing. They're more proven because the Saints have won a division four years straight. The Panthers haven't been to the playoffs since 2017. The only guys on the roster who were on that team are what? Christian McCaffrey, Taylor Moten. J.J. Jansen is like Shaq, four, right? And is, I think, is even Moten, is that even right with Moten? Was we'll he 18, 19, 20, 24. Yeah, so Moten, that's it. There's four guys on the roster on, who played in that game in New Orleans. That's why they're proven the Panthers haven't done anything since then. That's why I say they're more proven. Yeah, when you look at the roster, I think overall from a depth perspective, where New Orleans doesn't have the kind of guys that they have and they still go out there and blow the doors off of Green Bay week one, that tells you that they're a better team and they're proven because they've been in the playoffs. So the Panthers haven't had guys go to the playoffs recently. That's why I say that. At wide receiver, yes, the Carolina Panthers are better at wide receiver because they only have one there in New Orleans and he's not even available right now. At running back, yeah, it's a push. I I think McCaffrey's better than Alvin Kamara, but they do the same things. I love Alvin Kamara and what he's able to do. At quarterback, it's not a push to me. Jameis Winston has thrown for 5,000 yards in this league. His issue has been decision-making at no point really in his first three years in the league. Did Sam Darnold even look like a effective quarterback? A lot of it of course is what was around him, the situation in New York, but also he said last week himself, I didn't do my job. He sucked for three years. Winston did not suck for five years in Tampa Bay. And you saw already in one game, just how good he looked with Sean Payton as his head coach and his play caller. So it's not a push for me defensively. Yes, the Saints just have a better defense just based off of what they have in the secondary, what's proven there. At linebacker, better pass rush. Uh, Panthers might be better this year, but over the years, that's why I'm just that's how I say it. from what we've seen from the New Orleans Saints over the last four years and what we have with Carolina here in year two of a new regime. The Saints are more proven than the Carolina Panthers. That being said, I do think New Orleans will probably win on Sunday, but my pick is the Carolina Panthers because they have to be able to win under the circumstances that they're facing against the Saints, who are going through absolute hell and adversity through the last couple of weeks of the hurricane now COVID this week and the injuries that they've been facing throughout the off season and not, that's not even counting the guys that they've had to say goodbye to because of the cap restrictions. So that's where I'm coming from there, Harold. I appreciate your perspective. There's mine. Final question. Hitchcock. He says, Hey, Julian, big fan. (laughs) Dude, why? Uh, But I appreciate you either way. Uh, Friday mailbag question. Knowing how hard the transition is for corners into the league, what does a successful season look like for JC Horn? What he did on Sunday, giving up only two receptions for 18 yards. One of those was a touchdown. But being active in the run game was the most impressive thing to me with JC Horn. Like being a guy who's coachable and being a guy who, and don't give up a lot of good plays. Like it's going to happen. Every corner in the league gives up big time plays. But for me, it's just like being a guy out there who, doesn't give up big plays and who plays the way he played on Sunday is active in the run game and is fundamentally sound and is coachable that to me is a successful season for JC Horn yeah you'd love for him to run into a few interceptions that more so than anything is luck if we've seen with Dante Jackson where he got lucky his rookie year where so many times he got targeted and ended up just getting an interception or the whole tip drill kind of thing yeah so to me Jason Horn out of giving up big plays, listening, and being coachable, and improving throughout the season, and giving up less receptions where he's already started off per- perfectly basically so far this season. I saw that one touchdown. That's a successful season for Jason Horn, and also staying healthy. All right, thank you guys again so much for your questions. I love interacting with y'all every single Friday for the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Odyssey. And, of course, follow me on Twitter where, again, next Friday, I'll want your participation and your questions for our weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Again, I love you all. Appreciate the support. I will talk to you Sunday. Typically going to be trying to get the podcast out by 6 p.m. Sunday afternoon. So Sunday afternoon around 6 p.m., look out for my reaction from the Carolina Panthers win against New Orleans Saints. I'll talk to you all then.